All right. Well, if you have your Bibles, uh, look with me at Luke chapter 15. We are looking at a very familiar passage of Scripture this morning. But I think it's a familiar passage of Scripture because often we focus on the younger son. But um, this story that we're looking at this morning, we need to remember the audience that Jesus is speaking to. He's speaking to the older son audience. He's speaking to the Pharisees. The Pharisees have asked Jesus the question, why do you continue to hang out with these these sinners? They're uh, very offended by uh, his his desire to associate uh, with these sinners that... um, particularly tax gatherers and prostitutes who are worse than sinners. Last week we looked, or a few weeks ago, we looked at um, two parables that Jesus shared. And uh, now we're going to be looking at the prodigal son's story. Um, But as we look at this, remember, keep in mind the audience that Jesus is speaking to. All right, verse 11. And Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country and there squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine in that country a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field as he came and drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing and he called one of the servants and asked, what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, 
Look, these many years I have served you and I have never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a goat that I might celebrate with my friends. And when his son of you, and when this son of yours came, who had devoured, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this son, for this brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. The title of the message that uh, is in your outline this morning is The Tale of the Two Lost Brothers. Because Jesus in this parable is, is describing what lost really is. As Jesus shares this, this story, it's obvious that the younger son is lost. And as Jesus is sharing it with the Pharisees, it's obvious to them. But it's not obvious to the Pharisees about the older brother. And from this passage of Scripture this morning, Jesus is describing what sin really is. Not only is it a rebellious heart who's lost, but it's also a religious heart who's lost as well. And so that's what we're going to be focusing on this morning. What is lostness? And, and as a result, what's the answer to our lostness? And, um, and so we're going to look at both sons. And we start with the younger son. And uh, I've kind of divided the younger son story up into three different scenes. This is Act 1. And uh, in verses 11 through 13, we, we see the request. Uh, it's a shocking request. And this younger son, this younger son represents a heart that is rebellious. He represents rebellion. And in his rebellion... He makes a shocking request. He wants his father's inheritance now. This younger son isn't uh, concerned about his relationship with a father. He's, he's not in a, he doesn't want his father. He wants his father's stuff. He wants his inheritance right now. In other words, he would prefer that his father was dead so that he could have his father's stuff. But he doesn't have time to wait. And so he makes a request for his third of the inheritance uh, right now. And he's, he's, um, because he's the younger son, uh, he's entitled to a third of the inheritance. The older son is entitled to two-thirds because once the past of the brother passes on, uh, he will now become the patriarch of the family, and he's taking care of his siblings. And so at his request, the father sits down with both sons, and he gives the two-thirds to his older son and the one-third to his younger son. And notice the father's heart in, in, um, in this passage. 
he honors the request. You know, this is a, a very painful situation uh, for the father. And yet in the son's rebellion and, and the rejection of the father, this loving father honors his son's request. This, this um, story is known as the prodigal son. And when we think of the word prodigal, we, we think of uh, somebody who's lost and wandering aimlessly and living life foolishly. But when you look at the word prodigal in the Webster's Dictionary, that's not what the word means. The word means recklessly spendthrift. And a synonym for spendthrift is extravagant. And this describes the father, the, the, the father of the son, just as much as it does the prodigal son. Yes, the son went out and spent his money foolishly, but the, the son did, but the father is spending his, his money on his son as well. He's spending it lavishly on his son in spite of, of his rebellion. There's extravagant giving on the father's heart in this passage of scripture. And so that's scene one. The the son request makes a shocking request. In scene two, verses 14 through 19, the younger son is a desperate situation. I mean, it can't get worse. Bible says he's feeding pigs. Okay, now he's sharing this parable to, to Jews. And uh, as we know, uh, when it comes to Jewish culture, uh, it's, it's humiliating even hiring yourself out to Gentiles. This prodigal has hired himself out to a Gentile. He's working for a Gentile, and he's feeding pigs on his farm. How humiliating is that? Pigs are filthy animals. They're not even a Jewish's, a, a Jew's food chain. They don't want to have anything to do with fig, pigs. And this prodigal is feeding pigs and he's longing to eat what the pigs are eating. But he can't even eat what the pigs are eating and no one's listening to his request. He is in a desperate situation. And in that desperate situation, verse 17, the Bible says, he comes to himself. He realizes where he's at. He realizes what he's done, how foolish he's been, and he begins to repent. And he begins to um, frame his words of apology to his father. He realizes that the, the hired servants of his father, they have it better off than he does. And so he thinks to himself that uh, maybe I can become an apprentice of one of these hired servants. Maybe I can learn a trade and I can begin to pay back to my dad Everything I've taken from him. 
he realizes who he is. In uh, Kent Hughes's commentary on Luke, Kent Hughes says this, those who fail to recognize themselves fail to recognize God. This younger son recognized who he was, that his heart had been in rebellion, and he wants to repent. He wants to make things right. And so here we come to scene three, verses 20 through 24. He starts to take the long walk home. And the Bible says in verse 20, you know, I want to think of your, think of the, the young son. I mean, his clothes are a shamble. Uh, he's a dirty mess. He doesn't even have shoes on his feet. He's walking barefooted. I'm sure he's just really tired and beaten up and he, he knows he's close to home, but he's not. He's probably thinking to himself, what is my dad going to say? After all, all I've done, what is going to be his reaction? And in Jesus' story, Jesus says the father was looking for the son. The father was longing for the son. And while he was a far distance off, dad saw the son. And when he saw the son, the Bible says he had compassion. He saw how he was walking. He saw his appearance. He just had compassion. And the Bible says the dad ran to the son. Grown men in this New Testament culture didn't run. It was beneath them to run. It was hard to run because men would wear robes and if you were going to, if you, if you were in a hurry, you would have to lift up your robe and run like this and you would look really foolish. And yet that's what that dad did. He ran. Yeah. I don't know any men my age who run, other than exercising, okay? But if if they're in regular clothes, I don't see men run. If they are running, somebody bad is chasing after them, or they've done something really bad. Or maybe they're late for a plane. A couple weeks ago, I was late for a plane. Ran into some bad traffic getting to LAX. And I was at the ticket counter. And the, and the gal said, you better run because they are boarding the plane. So I had to run. How humiliating was that? Things were jiggling that I preferred not to jiggle. And after having lost all my dignity, I got to the gate and barely made it on the plane. 
But that was a humiliating situation. But here is this dad having compassion on his son. And he runs to his son, not caring what anybody else thinks, because his son has come home. And as he comes to his son, what does the Bible say? He hugs him and he kisses him. He shows him great affection in all of his filthiness. He hasn't even heard his son's speech yet. In fact, he doesn't even care about hearing his son's speech. He just hugs and kisses his son. Dad, do you show that kind of affection to your kids? It's okay. We need to hug and kiss our sons. You know? Uh, I still do that to my boys who are grown. When they come home or if I'm saying goodbye to them, I still hug and kiss them. Now, they hate it, but I'm going to do it anyway. And it's really it's really hard or weird kissing somebody with a beard now. But they're my boys, and I love them. Do it in an appropriate manner, though, okay? Don't, if they hit a home run in a Little League game, don't run into their dugout and give them a big kiss and a hug right then. You know, don't embarrass them that, in that way. But that is okay to, to show physical affection to our children. It's what this father does. He makes a spectacle of himself. And, and the Bible says that, you know, Dad, I'm sorry. I am not worthy to be your son. And he, he goes into this prepared speech. Dad interrupts him. Dad sabotages the the uh, the plan that the hand that the, the son had, and Dad goes and says, "Somebody bring out my finest robe." Who had the finest robe? The father had the finest robe. The servant comes out and he puts his own dad's robe upon his son, the robe. Of righteousness, the robe, the robe uh, that covers all of his son's sin. Dad also makes a request: Let's get a ring, find a ring, and put it on my son. This is a sign of acceptance in the family. He's he he belongs to the father. Get shoes. My son has has bare feet. He's not a slave. He's my boy. Get shoes to cover his dirty feet. And they, then the father asked, let's, let's have a celebration. Let's, let's slay the, the finest calf and let's celebrate the fact that my son has come home. This is the response of the father. Now I have a question for you. Did the son request any of these things of the father to do? Absolutely not. This is the prodigal father. 
extravagantly, recklessly, but with a purpose, showering his son with his grace. That's the gospel. It's not what the son did. It's what the father does, not only for the lost, rebellious son, but all were caught in sin. And who is the father? According to the parable, as Jesus shares, God is that father. And that's God's, that's God's reaction to all of us with a rebellious heart that come to our senses. Realize who we are, what we have done. And until we see that in ourselves, we won't see God. So that's the first story. Jesus in this in this first act is pointing out that lasciviousness, rebellious, immoral lifestyles certainly are not the answer. This is what the th- son thought. If I could just have my inheritance and I can go and I can just live my own lifestyle. This will be the answer to what my heart longs for. And Jesus is sharing, this is not the answer. We know that this son in in that desperate situation was clearly spiritually lost. But then we come to Act 2. And the Act 2, I mean, the older son is at the extreme opposite of the younger son. And Jesus is going to point out in this passage of scripture that the older son is just as lost as the rebellious one. In fact, maybe dangerously more lost than the younger son because it's his self-righteousness. It's his good works that have blinded him to who the father really is and wants to do in his life. The lost older brother represents religion. The older brother is hardworking. He's compliant. You can always count on the older brother, but all for the wrong reasons. His older brother, as he works hard, there's no joy. He's working in a way, he's working in a way that he might manipulate his father. He wants to show his father that the father is in debt to the son. That this inheritance that he's received, the two-thirds, he deserves it. The father owes it to him. 
because this son has been working extremely hard. In fact, he's been working even harder while the prodigal, the foolish one, has is no longer there at the dad's house. And so this older this older son is working even harder. He, he doesn't have the help of his younger son. But I want you to see this about the parable too. This older brother, he never went out to try to find the younger son, the younger brother. If he was a loving, true older brother, he would have been concerned about his younger brother and gone out and tried to help him. But we don't see that in this passage of Scripture. In fact, it's a good thing that uh, the younger brother didn't meet the older brother on the way home first. What if he had met his older brother before his dad? Do you think he would have made it home? Probably not. He would have realized Wow, I really am a loser. And I don't belong here. Church, there's a message for us this morning as a church. The reaction the father had with his younger son is the reaction that the church needs to have with the prodigal sons coming back. I think there's a reason why churches aren't filled with younger sons. It's because the younger son, younger brothers have ran into the older brothers. And have missed the love of the Father. Let's go on. What are the signs of a religious brother's heart? Several things on your sheet this morning. One, religious religious brothers have hearts that are angry and bitter. You know, when things don't go their way, they get angry at God. And they begin to question God's sovereignty. Now, it's okay to question. Scripture gives us permission to ask God why. You're in good company when you ask God why, when something is happening in your life. But in those moments, I just want to encourage you to continue to be faithful. Don't turn your back in anger and bitterness, because when you get angry and bitter, it's a sign that you're telling God, listen, God, you owe me. I've done all this for you, and I deserve this in return. That was the heart of the older brother, the religious heart. 
When things weren't going his way, he was angry and bitter at his father. There was superiority and self-righteousness in his heart. That's the next bullet, superiority. He was looking at his younger brother, and he couldn't even acknowledge him as his brother. He told his dad, look, your son did that. And he's coming across far superior than his younger brother. I mean, he was so good, it was beneath him to go into the celebration. His pride, his good works, his self-righteousness prevented him, kept him from going into the party. The, the, the father came out and he pleaded with his son, son, all that I have is yours. Come into the celebration. But his pride wouldn't let him go in. Another sign of a religious a religious heart is an unforgiving, judgmental attitude. He spent his money foolishly on prostitutes. Father, how can you forgive him? He wasted his inheritance in an unforgiving spirit. He was totally self-centered. He was just as guilty of wanting his father's stuff as his younger brother was. I've done all of this for you. and You've never given me a party. He's doing it all for, all for all the wrong reasons. Finally, in a self-centered, religious, older brother heart, there's joylessness. There's fear-based compliance. All these years, I've been slaving for you, verse 29. And so Jesus' message to us, I know the little time's late, and um, I want to finish this message this morning, but Jesus' message to us is that the hardworking religious son was just as lost as the rebellious younger son. Self-righteousness, good works blinded him from seeing the needs, the need for his father's grace. Church, if we're going to receive the father's grace, the prerequisite is realizing that we need it. It's grace. We can't earn it. It's freely given to us. But we must come to our senses. So the older son, the younger son, they both represent the culture divide that's in our society today. The younger son represents the worldly, liberal thinking way. They think that open-minded tolerance you know, whatever is right for them, that that is what's work. That's what works. And the younger son looks at um, at themselves, 
and they're thinking to themselves, listen, liberalism is in. Narrow-minded, bigoted people are out. And this is the camp of the younger son. But then there's the camp of the older son, the, the, the moral, the religious, the conservative way of living. And the other half of the culture says that good, the good people are in and the bad people are out. And here we have these two different camps in this parable. And my question to you today is what camp are you in? You have tendencies of living more like the younger son. You think and look negatively towards conservative people. Or are you like the older son who's working hard and is proud of their self-righteousness. God owes you. For me personally, I have a tendency of living like the older son. Proud of my self-righteousness. Proud of my good works. I am just as wrong as the younger son. I can miss the grace of God in my life. As I was looking at this message yesterday morning, I was asking the Lord, you know, how can I make this clear? How can I illustrate what Jesus is trying to get across to us. And at 7 o'clock in the morning, out of the blue, at this very point in sermon preparation, my son sent me a picture of Mel Gibson on the set directing The Passion of the Christ. And in this picture, I was going to show the picture, but I I thought, well, it might offend some people. So I didn't want to put it on the screen. But he's he's talking to uh, Jim Sevillius. I'm not sure the actor who played Jesus, how to pronounce his Caviezel, thank you. Uh, He's talking to Jim, and it's... um, It's in the middle of the movie where Jesus is carrying the cross. He's got the crown of thorns on his head. He's been beaten to a pulp, um, but he's sitting in a chair next to Mel Gibson. Now, Mel Gibson has lived a very public life, hasn't he? And we're very familiar with, um, with Mel Gibson and the extremes the camps that he's lived in. And he's lived in both camps. He's lived in the rebellious heart camp, and that has been very public. And he's lived in the religious camp. As as he was making the movie, as the 
the movie was about to go public, Mel Gibson went around to churches talking to pastors. He was very open and honest about his life, but there was a renewal that took place in his life. And since that movie, and I don't want to throw Mel Gibson under the bus, because he's, I think he's a reflection of all of us. Because we have a tendency of going from camp to camp. Rebellion to morality or religion. Since the movie, we've seen Mr. Gibson very publicly back in the rebellious camp. But this picture is fascinating. Mel Gibson is sitting in this chair, and he's talking to Jim in character. And Jim is looking at Mel very compassionately. And I see see Jesus looking at Mel Gibson. And Jesus is saying, Mel Quit trying so hard. The answer isn't the rebellious heart, and the answer isn't the religious heart. The answer is me. Church, remember, Jesus is telling this story. Who is Jesus? The Son of God. Who are we? Children of God. Jesus is our older brother. Jesus is the true older brother. And Jesus has gone in search of all who are lost. And Jesus gave everything. Jesus gave everything so that we might enjoy a relationship with the Father. When Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says Jesus took our sin and replaced it with his righteousness. He gave us his robe of righteousness. We are God's children. We wear the ring now. He put shoes on our feet. We have been freed from the slavery of sin. And we have been invited to the great feast. The supper of the Lamb. All because of Jesus. The answer for us, church... Is not the rebellious heart or the religious heart. Answer is Jesus and the humble heart. To have two passages of scripture in your outline, paraphrasing those, God is opposed to the proud and gives grace to the humble. God is compassionate for the humble and keeps his distance 
from the proud. The message of this parable this morning is we need to realize who we truly are so that we can see God's grace and be like Jesus as people come home to him. Not standing in judgment and making them feel even more unworthy, but like Jesus, welcome home. I've poured out everything so that you can come into the party. That's our God. And that's the message of this parable. Let's pray. Father, the hour is late, but the message is more important. Forgive us for whatever camp we've fallen into. That's not the answer. Jesus are the answer. Help us to be like you, Jesus, our true older brother. Fill this place with people who want to know you. Forgive us for not representing that message. What's God saying to you this morning? Just know, just know, friend, he sees you and he has compassion for you. We're going to take an offering right now.